Good morning from this rectangle. Um, let me just say I hate this just as much as you or if not more. I'm not a fan of the sermon recordings. I much prefer preaching in person. But that being said, uh, the reason I am preaching over this little rectangle is because uh, I got COVID and Michaela might have it right now. She's not showing any symptoms, but I, I got a sore throat, uh, body aches. And so, yeah, it hasn't been fun to say the least. But as you know, we went to New Mexico. We had a, a visit and real quick, thank you, Todd, for filling in. That's much appreciated. We had a great visit with our family on Michaela's side. We had a lot of time to talk and even some time to do some, I guess you could say, Arkansan type things like four-wheeling, right? And now I know some of y'all probably gasped in the audience like, oh my goodness, our preacher's going to hurt himself. No, no, no. Just, you know, just to ease your anxiety, I only jumped a few hills, okay? <laughs> I kid, of course, but it was fun. We got to do a lot of fun things, got to talk a lot. We we even hung out a little bit with one of Michaela's nephews. He's 10 years old and he had a birthday and oh my goodness, that little dude can talk a lot. Let me tell you. Oh my goodness. And he's one of those kids, which really that's a lot of kids. They, they usually, they, they have an idea, right? They have something in their mind that they want to do. Say like, oh, I'm going to stand on this ball on one leg and see how long I can stand. Or, oh, I'm going to jump over this creek that I've been told not to jump over. So we know that there's these kids, they have this good idea. But what usually happens when they have this good idea, right? They have this idea, they end up getting hurt, they turn to their parents for help, and the parent helps. Now this cycle of sorts, it's similar to what we see with Israel and their history. Now more specifically, in the book of Judges. See, Israel, they have this cycle of sin. They turn to other gods, they become subject to other nations, and then they turn to God for help. And God raises up a judge... To deliver them, right? So they have this cycle of sin similar to, you know, what, what kids do and what they go through often. And so in Judges, these judges that God raises to deliver Israel, they were by no means perfect. Yet God, his power was made perfect in their weakness. Now God was able to use them even though they did not have it all together. And now the judge I want to focus on is Gideon. And Gideon was certainly a weak human being like we all are. See, Israel it's, is yet again in need of help in Judges chapter 6. Now remember this cycle. They turn to other gods. They fall subject to other nations. They call out to God for help and God delivers them. Now that being said, let's read Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 verses 11 through 13. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But the Lord has forsaken us and give us, given us into the hand of Midian. Mighty man of valor. Now this is meant to be a shot at Gideon, right? I mean, he's beating wine or wheat in a wine press. Who does this, right? And if I'm tech savvy, I'll pop up a, a wine press and a threshing floor so you can kind of see the point here. Now, who does this? The answer is somebody who is really afraid. 
Gideon is afraid. That's why he's going down into a wine press to beat out wheat. You see, wine presses, they were in sort of a, I guess you could say a, a hole of sorts. So he was hiding in this hole to beat out wheat. And see, not only is he afraid, he doubts God. Verse 13 again, it says, And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. See, it's interesting that he affirms sort of what God has done, but he has trouble, trouble believing in what God can be doing now. Have you ever thought this way? You believe in what God has done in history. You believe what he did for the Israelites. You believe that he delivered people. You believe that he saved people. But now you have some doubt as to whether he can do something for you, whether he can save you. Now, in Gideon's case, I think he's being a bit naive. See, as we see further in the text, his family, they turn to false gods. And Gideon probably did too. He asked, why did this happen to us? But it's pretty clear, right? They turned to false gods. You see, at times we get angry and confused as to why certain troubling times befall us, but sometimes we need to consider that maybe we brought it upon ourselves. Maybe. Let me emphasize again that it may be our own actions that get us into trouble, right? Now, I'm not saying every time you get into trouble, it's because of something you did, all right? But sometimes it may be because, be because of something you did. And for Gideon and Israel as a whole, they brought this upon themselves. And yet Gideon, he doubts God. And his doubt, it leads him to essentially blame God for their predicament. Now, I think many of us think it would be appropriate for God to respond with the cliche that so many mothers have said, right? Oh, I've, I brought you into this world and, right, I'll take you out. But no, there's no rebuke. He doesn't tell Gideon to go find a switch. Instead, God, he offers affirmation. Despite Gideon's doubt and weakness, God can use him. So Judges 6, verses 14 through 18. Judges 6, verses 14 through 18. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that, that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. Gideon, he, his clan is the weakest. He's the least in his father's house. But God does not care. He may think similar things as Gideon. Oh, I'm the weakest. Oh, I'm, my family's not that important. But let me tell you, God does not care. That will not stop God from being able to use you for good. And though God, he affirms Gideon, we see that Gideon, he still has his reservations. This doubt is reoccurring. See, there are some weaknesses that we may have that God will help us grow out of, right? It might take time to get past 
this doubt, or it might take time for you to get past whatever weakness it may be. And so for Gideon, it takes time to get past this doubt. And so in his doubt, Gideon, he has a, a test for God, right? So Judges 6, verses 19 through 24 say this. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes for, from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot. And he brought them under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And a fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizrites. See, eventually all doubt will be proved wrong. And it's going to be better to be on the side of trusting when that time comes. See, I wish everybody's doubt would be wiped away in the face of the cross. Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. He is the best reason anybody's doubt would be wiped away. And so God, he gives Gideon a pretty good reason to have no doubt. And once that doubt was mostly wiped away, Gideon, he still has some other things to get rid of, some things to destroy. And so Judges 6, Judges 6, verses 25 through 27. That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. And then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid to of, his, of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. You see, when God gets you to trust him, there are some things that will need to be removed. There are some things that will need to be destroyed. Right? It's some things that get in the way of you trusting God in the first place. See, for Gideon, these were false idols and false gods. These being the very things that probably led him to doubt God that led him, his family, and Israel astray. It's no wonder that Gideon was doubtful, right? I mean, who wouldn't be if they were serving a lifeless, inanimate object? See, that object can't do anything for you. Only God can. There might be something in your life that you need to destroy, something that gets in the way from you trusting God. Just as Gideon here, he destroys these idols. And after destroying these idols, all the idol worshippers, they, they're now after Gideon, right? And so he flees, he gathers some troops, but he still has some doubt. But this, kind of, this time I can, I can understand the doubt. It makes a little more sense. Judges chapter 6, verse 36 through 40. Judges 6, verses 36 through 40. Then Gideon said to God, 
If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung out enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test you just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, and on the ground there was dew. Now, I think we can all agree that this doubt makes a little more sense here, right? After all, Gideon, he did what God asked. He destroyed the idols, but now nations are after him. They want to kill him. Imagine yourself in Gideon's position. Oh my goodness, God, I did, I did what you asked. I, I've done everything. I've destroyed the idols. I've trusted you, but now nations are after me. You see, church, just because you may do what God asked it does not mean your life is going to be easy. In fact, in our society, doing what God asks will probably invite persecution. It will probably invite ridicule. So don't expect your life to be ridicule or persecution free or, or your life to be easy if you do what God asks. And in Gideon's case, he's up against a whole nation. He's up against whole nations. But thankfully, Gideon, he has a he has thousands of men to fight. Well, that is for only a little. Judges 7, verses 1 through 8. Judges 7, verses 1 through 8. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early and encamped beside the spring of Harad. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Let Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from the Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Anyone of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of those who laughed putting their hands to their mouth was three hundred men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men who laughed, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the three hundred men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Yet again, I'm going to use a word I used in my last sermon unconventional. Right, most people would think the the best thing to do when you're going up against a nation to fight in war would be to have the the most people you can to fight. Right? But God he he dwindles down the army to only 300 men. It's unconventional. You see, I think the point is the number doesn't matter to God. 
God can take any number and bring about victory. Did he not just take one man and brought victory over sin and death? And so with these 300 men, God is able to work through Gideon to defeat the nations that pursued him. Now while God used Gideon to defeat these nations, and as with all people, Gideon, he dies. Judges 8, verses 29 through 35. Judges 8. Judges 8, verses 29 through 35. Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, the son of Joash, went and lived in his house. Now Gideon had 70 sons, his own offspring, for he had many wives. His concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he called his name Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age, and was buried in the tomb of Joash's father, at Ophrah, of the Abizrites. And as soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals, and made Baal Bereth their god. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their god, who had delivered them from the hand of the enemies on every side. And they did not show steadfast love to the family of Jerubal, that is, Gideon, in return for all the good that he had done to Israel. I want you all to consider one question. How did Gideon die? Meaning, did he die having done good? Right? What will be his legacy? I think this is, this is a common and, and generally a good thing to think about. What will be our legacy when we die? And you see, there's a reality we all have to face. We are all going to die having made mistakes. We're all going to die having committed sin. We will all die short of perfection on our own. Did Gideon do some good? Sure. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. See, he probably got greedy. Verses 23 and 24 Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. So it seems kind of good at first, but verse 24. And Gideon said to them, Let me make a request of you. Every one of you give me the earnings from his spoil. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. Right? So we kind of see, you know, there is some good intention there, but then he asked for their gold. Kind of seems like maybe he got a little greedy. Verses 30 through 31, he had many wives, which is not something God desired. Yeah, sure, he did some good. But he also had his weaknesses. And despite being a sinner, God used Gideon. And just as God used Gideon, he can so use you. He can perfect his power in you. You see, we are like Gideon in the way that we fall short, but we are unlike Gideon in the way that Christ died for us. We have Jesus as our Savior. We are unlike Gideon in the way that we can die in Christ. Christ can be our legacy. It is Christ who cleanses us from our sin. It is Christ who perfects us. It is Christ who shows us grace, and it is Christ who saves us. So you've got to answer the question, how will you die? 